Here's some more of the words that God has for us from Isaiah 40. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or marked off the heavens with a span? Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They're accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him? Says the Holy One. Lift your eyes on high and see who created these. Picture the stars. He who brings out their host by number, calling them by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Amen. Thank you, Cynthia. Good morning. I love C.S. Lewis and in his Chronicles of Narnia series, the young heroine Lucy meets a majestic lion named Aslan in that enchanted land of Narnia, and he is the Christ figure. A year later, Lucy and, and her siblings go back to Narnia, and they discover that everything has changed. And in the land, as they enter in, they get lost. They go through a series of dreadful events, and eventually, Lucy spots Aslan in a forest clearing. And she runs to him and throws her arms around his neck and buries her face into his mane. And in the story, it says, The great beast rolled over on his side so that Lucy fell, half-sitting, half lying between his front paws. He bent forward and he touched her nose with his tongue. His warm breath came all around her, and she gazed up into his large, wise face. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan, Lucy said, you're so much bigger Well, that's because you're older, little one, answered he. Not because you are, Aslan. I am not. But each year that you grow, you will find me bigger. Is God getting bigger in your life? 
as you continue this journey with your beloved, is God getting bigger in your life? Let's pray for that this morning. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth about who you are. And Father, we pray through your Holy Spirit that, that we will see you more and more. We pray that we will grow, and as we open our eyes, that we will recognize you are so much bigger. You are so much more present. You are so much more in control and so much more loving than we ever imagined. We want to see you bigger, Father. We need you in this daily journey as we, decide, as we desire to follow you, Father. And we thank you that you walk with us ever-present, ever-loving, full of grace. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Well, as we enter into Isaiah 40, and we're going to begin in verse 12 this morning, I want to remind you that the Lord is speaking through Isaiah, and he's speaking to a future life of Israel. They're going to be carried off by Babylon. They're going to go into exile for 70 years. And so this word that we're receiving in Isaiah 40 is ministering to that future generation about who God is and about what He's going to do. And He wants to give them hope and remind them of His character and His ability and who He is. And and in the middle of Isaiah, and as we move forward in 40 on, we're going to see visions and prophecy about the coming Messiah. The King of Kings is coming. The one who can save your soul is coming. The one who's paid the price for your sin is coming. And so we're going to see together all of these prophecies and, and, and that's speaking forth our coming Messiah. But God is using Isaiah to speak forth this message because the reality is God had become very small. They had lost their vision and their sight upon their big God. They were depending on themselves. They were depending on others. They were looking to idols. God had become very small. And so we enter into this chapter, God trying to remind them of how big he is. Last week, the Lord gave us a word of hope. Comfort, comfort, my children. I bring to my people, your sins have been paid for. Again, beautiful words about the coming Messiah. I will come as powerful, righteous judge. I will deliver you. I will keep my promise. I'm a tender shepherd from last week. And as we get to verse 12, what happens is, is Isaiah presupposes there's going to be an argument that's going to take place as the Israelites hear these words in Babylon. And here's the argument. You tell us that our God will deliver us. You tell us that God is going to save us, that our sins are forgiven. You tell us He's going to come as powerful and righteous and judge of all. That's what you've been telling us. But here's the argument. But can he really do it? Can he really save us? Is he powerful 
enough to do such a thing. We are in trial and we are in tribulation. Can God really save us? And here's one thing I want you to make note of as we start in verse 12. This isn't, this isn't Isaiah saying, hey, let me tell you about God and what I've seen in God and my relationship with God. As we start in verse 12, this is God speaking to us and to his people. God is saying, let me tell you exactly who I am. Let me remind you of what I've done. Let me remind you of what I'm able to do in your life. Let me remind you of my amazing love for you and my grace and my deliverance. Let me remind you of my power. It's God's voice speaking to us. You can't miss that in these chapters. It reminds me of God's conversation with Job when Job was struggling with the Lord, like many of us do, right, along the journey. And do you remember remember in the book of Job, Job complains and he complains and he complains, and God finally says, hey, Job, just be quiet. Be quiet. Stop talking. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the world, of the earth? Where were you? Job, I know you're suffering. I know you're going through it. I'm right here with you. But in essence, I want you to be still and know that I am God. And know my love for you right now in the middle of it, in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your lack of understanding. But don't ever forget who I am. I think he's doing the same thing in Isaiah. God speaking forth, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been given from the beginning? Have you not understood? It is he, verse 22, who sits above the circle of the earth. Isn't it amazing? There was a wrestling with, is the earth flat? God gives it to us right here. Who is it who sits above the circle of the earth? I created it round. I know exactly my creation. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in? What's the answer to this? The assumed answer to these rhetorical questions, who has done all these things? The Holy One of Israel the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. Israel, Yahweh, I am. Who has done all these things? Your Holy One. I am Creator. I can deliver you. It is only me who can. I am the Creator of all of creation out there. I am the Creator of life. I am the lover of your souls. I am the forgiver of your sins. Who can I am. I don't want you to forget it. Is God getting bigger as we grow older? As we grow as children of His? God is saying, I want you to know I am capable to deliver you. I will bring justice. I am wise. Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord? 
Or what man shows him counsel? Who taught him the path of justice? The thing that's amazing about that is it's the Lord who is justice. He's the one who created the path that we are to follow in as followers of Jesus Christ. Who taught him that? He is justice. And what is true and what is right. Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Again, we think we can grasp how magnificent God is. We think we can understand him. But he's too amazing. He's too awesome. His knowledge is too vast. We develop new computers. There is a supercomputer made in China from the Chinese, and it's known as the Sunway Taihu Light. It contains 41,000 chips. It can carry out 93 quadrillion calculations per second. Now, I don't know how many that is, but it's a lot. It's mind-boggling what this computer can do. It can, it can forecast weather out there for months and months and even up to years because it processes so quickly. And you go, wow, that's amazing what man can create and what he can do. And what God is saying is, yeah, that's great. But you want to set that up next to me? As Isaiah 55 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I am creator. I am wisdom. I am justice. I am the lover of your souls. I am vast and amazing, and yet I am ever-present and so close and a tender shepherd. That's who I am. Is God getting bigger for you? The reality for all of us is that we tend to, to look to other things and we tend to live in fear because God is not big for us. We don't seek after Him to know Him more and His character for us. And I want to encourage all of us to just to look up like the Scriptures say. Take a closer look at our Lord. Keep diving into His Word. Keep drawing near in prayer. Ask God to minister to you. Ask God to reveal Himself to you in the middle of your present situation. We serve a big God. And He's trying to show us, and in Isaiah, that He is stronger than all. He is in control. We don't need to fear. God gives us strength like Paul teaches us it's in, in our weakness that God is strong. The joy of the Lord is our strength, like we sang this morning. God is all-powerful, and He is so present, and He brings forth all of His goodness and His life into our lives. Let Him minister to us, receive from Him, open our eyes and see how beautiful and big our God is. He will show you. And like Isaiah, he's speaking forth. Don't live in fear. Let me show you who I am in comparison to all the nations. Behold, the nations are like a drop in the bucket 
Isn't that amazing? Lebanon, with its massive trees, that was their glory, was their incredible trees. And, and, and that's what they were known for. And he's saying, you could cut down all of those massive trees and bring forth all of your sacrifice and, and put the animals and the offering on top and burn it up. It doesn't even come close to worshiping how awesome I am. You can't do enough. And it's also a reminder of God's grace. We can never do enough for God. He has to do it for us through His Son, Jesus. Don't live in fear. Are you worried about a threat in your life? You know, we remember the Cold War. We remember all that was going on. We live in a political environment that's just crazy right now. There's a lot of threat just around the world. Maybe we're worried about North Korea, and maybe we're worried about the leaders, the leaders of our nation, the leaders in foreign nations. And what God says in the bigger picture of all this, you don't need to fear that. These nations and these leaders are a drop in the bucket. They have no weight compared to me. Their value is of nothing And he uses all these different words, three times, different words for nothing. And what he's really trying to say is they have no weight. They're so far beyond and below me that there is no weight to them. It is as if they are nothing. So why do you fear? Who will deliver you? The Holy One of Israel. Who will deliver you? The tender shepherd the suffering servant, Jesus, through his death on the cross. All powerful, all vast, ever present. Learn to trust me. Stop looking to yourself to fix your problems. Stop looking to others to fix your problems, to idols, really, to comfort you, to somehow give you life and joy, to fulfill you. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness can compare with Him? An idol, a craftsman, crafts it. A goldsmith makes it up. The poor man gets some good wood and asks a good craftsman, hey, will you carve up this idol for me and make it in such a way that hopefully it won't fall over, is what he says. It won't totter. I love our Lord, and He's got a good sense of humor. And he, he's really, he's, he's mocking the people of Babylon and then the Israelites who were drawn to this idol worship and basically saying, are you kidding me? You're going after that which is man-made when you have the living God in your presence, the one who walks with you in life, the one who loves you to the core. It reminds me of Elijah up on Mount Carmel. Many of us have gone there together. And we stood on Mount Carmel in Israel, and this is the place where Elijah faced the Baal prophets. Calls up all the prophets up onto the mountain because there's going to be a great battle. Who is really God? Elijah, whose name means Yahweh is God, is going to go against the prophets of Baal to show them clearly 
that Yahweh is God. Who can deliver you? I'm going to show you very clearly. And so the prophets are up there dancing around and they're cutting themselves and they're getting into a frenzy. And the the hope is that they'll call upon their gods and fire will come and and lick up the bull and, and consume the bull as an offering. And they're doing this for hours upon hours. And Elijah is sitting over there watching this. He says, hey, where's your gods? Where's your gods? You know what, maybe they're sleeping. Maybe, maybe they're in the restroom. I don't know. Where are they? And finally, Elijah has had enough. And so he takes water to double emphasize what's going on. Takes water, pours it over the bull. Praise to the true God, Yahweh, I am. And God consumes that bull and licks up the water with fire. And the prophets of Baal start to say, Elijah, Elijah. What they're saying is, Yahweh is God. Yahweh is God. Who can compare to me? You're turning to idols. You're looking for life in this. And it's consuming you. And you have nothingness there. J.R. Vassar, who's a pastor... He spent a lot of his life in Burma, and he went, he went into a, a little village. But in that little village, there was a large Buddha idol. And he saw, he saw about 20 or 30 people bowed down before Buddha. And they were very poor, but they were putting into the offering their money, all that they had, in hopes, in hopes that they would receive a blessing. As J.R. Vassar kind of walked around the Buddha, he noticed in the back of the Buddha, and it was massive, as big as this room, there was a huge scaffolding. They were doing repairs on the backside of the Buddha because it was falling apart. And he was struck with just the emptiness of this all, of this all. How awful that a broken people in need of life are making an offering to a broken God in hopes that they'll fix, he'll fix their broken lives. You see, when God is small, that's what we do. We turn to everything but God to fix our broken lives. And what the scriptures are saying is it's nothing. And it will leave you in despair, and it will leave you empty. When God has all of this to offer, to offer you joy in life, to give you hope, in life, to save us from our sins, to fix our broken relationships. See, God can. You see, our God is a God who's resurrected the dead. You don't think he can resurrect broken relationships or broken life? Then you're serving the wrong God. It's a Buddha with scaffolding in the back. Don't fear the nations. I've got control over all that. Don't look to others to be a source of life. We, we're trying to find glory from glory-deficient people, ourselves included, instead of worshiping the God who we need to glorify, the Holy One. Who can? The answer to that rhetorical question, nobody, no one, no idol, no entity. There is no one. 
And the bigger statement to that is, by the way, there is no other God. I am God alone. There is no other. Open your eyes, lift up your eyes, and see how big I am. Open your eyes and see how present I am. You want to know who can deliver you? I'm telling you, I can. And I will. And I have done. Open your eyes. There is no other. Is God getting bigger for you as you grow? You know, we all experienced this week as we watched the news, the story about the orbiter, Cassini. Pretty amazing. This orbiter went out and it was built... Uh, and it started to be built in 1997. 2004, it went out into orbit, and it primarily ended up right by Saturn and was able to take these amazing pictures of Saturn and the rings, and it started to, to see these, these rivers of, of methane lakes that were going on and, and all kinds of the moons that were exposed. Phenomenal. 13 years all around Saturn and, and sending back those photos. Unbelievable. And truly amazing. But here's what the people at NASA said after 13 years. What an amazing journey, they said. What an amazing mission. But we are still have so many more mysteries to ponder. We don't even know the length of a day on Saturn. And we don't understand its quirky magnetic field. We don't get it. Hopefully that will be a future mission. Now, do you understand? That orbiter, as amazing as one, it only made it to Saturn. And God's saying, I'm sorry, I laid out all that stuff. I know exactly the length of a day on Saturn. I know exactly how all this works. And actually, there's, there's so many millions more of stars. The galaxy is so vast. I want you to know it. As incredible as that is, you want to set that next to me, the living God, the creator of the universe? To whom then will you compare me that they should be like me, says the Holy One of Israel? Lift up your eyes high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, Not one is missing. What he's saying to this future generation who's going to be stuck in exile and suffering and struggling and wondering what God is doing, he's saying, lift up your eyes and see how big I am. I am the creator of all. Look to the stars. Scientists have been studying the stars forever, and they look at the sun and how amazing the sun is just one of 200 billion plus stars in our Milky Way. Just one. I want you to see how powerful and how awesome I am. And at the same time, I want you to know how tender and how present I am. I became very small so that I could draw near to you. I came as a babe in a manger, so that you could know me. Look at the wording he uses here. You see, 
I want you to look up, and I want you to look at the stars. I've named each of those. There's not, there's not one missing. We just came out of verse 11 that says this. I'm a tender shepherd. I'm a tender shepherd. I'm going to draw you close to my heart. Now look at this in verse 26. Look at the stars. Not one missing. You remember that chapter in Luke 15? Hey, if there's, a, if there's one sheep who wanders off, there's one sheep who wanders off, I'm going to go and I'm going to bring him back. There isn't going to be one who's missing. Why? My children. You're my children. Do you remember, do you remember in John 10, as Jesus speaks about himself, the good shepherd? What does he say? He says, I know my sheep by name. Each and every one. When my voice goes out, they know my voice. I know my sheep. Each and every one. And even more than that, you know what? You live in fear of wondering if, if you're my child. You are in my Father's grip. No one can take you out of my Father's hand. When you become a child of God, you are a child of God forever. You see, because... I am the one who's forgiven your sin. I'm the one who's transformed your life. I'm the one who's made you new. Nothing can take that away. Not even yourself. I know your name. I know you fully. I created you intimately. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I'm an amazing God, but I know you closely. Do you remember... In Matthew 6, when the Lord talks about not worrying, he basically says, stop worrying, people. That's not of me. You shouldn't be a people who worry. And he says, why? Look at the birds of the sky and the lilies of the field. And look how I provide for them. And then he says this most important thing. Don't you know, don't you know that you are so much more valuable than they? And you know what I think he's saying in this chapter of Isaiah? I've named the stars. I know them by name. But don't you know that you are so much more valuable than those millions and billions of stars? And that I know you intimately and closely. I am a massive God. And I am awesome beyond belief. And I don't, people will not understand me but I am so close. And so look up. And hopefully, like Lucy, we can say, God, you have gotten bigger. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you truly are an amazing God. And forgive us again when we make you small. Forgive us when we don't trust you. Forgive us when we don't think you can deliver us that we don't think you can bring us through the situation that we're in. And Father, help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to, to turn to you, not to other idols, to other things for life and, and for relief, but that we would turn right into your arms. You desire to draw us near to your heart. And so, Father, we want to come running like Lucy did as she ran and jumped into the, to the arms of 
to the paws of Aslan, wrapped her arms around his neck, and was comforted in that place. So we receive your comfort this morning. You are an awesome God. Amen.